music, amen, uh, and uh, really just sets the tone uh, for a preacher to be able to, to minister, and uh, I'm really grateful for your pastor, his family, uh, the invitation tonight, I don't take this lightly, amen, um, and uh, I'm believing God, amen, for a great, great evening. I'm going to preach on a word that nobody likes, and uh, not even myself, I'm going to preach on a word, uh, the word is pain, amen. <laughs> And uh, <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna try to encourage you to increase your pain level tonight, Amen. Out of Genesis 41:38 through 44, I appreciate Pastor Greg Mitchell and uh, uh, the invitation, Amen, to come here tonight. Genesis 41:38 through 44. I recently read about a Navy SEAL or Navy SEALs that follow a saying that when you feel that you're completely wiped out you're actually only 40% done and still have 60% left in your tank. It's an idea popularized by David Goggins, a SEAL who completed 14 races that were each over 100 miles long. He did most of it while on active duty with a potentially uh, fatal heart, a defect that he had that limited his heart to only 75%, he was able to finish these races. What ended up happening was that this billionaire by the name of Jesse Itzler, he heard about him, he met him at a race in one of these races, and he talked him into uh, coming and living with him for a month. He talked Goggins into living with him for a month to teach him, to show him how to push himself past the 40% um, mark. And it says uh, Goggins moved in for one month and taught him to push himself past the threshold of his pain and to get out of his comfort zone. Jesse ended up writing a book about the experience called Living with a Navy Seal. Goggins taught Isler to, le uh, to leave his comfort zone by telling him about the 40% rule, which basically says that the feeling that you are completely tapped out actually comes when you're only 40% done. You still have 60% left in your tank. I want to minister to pioneers tonight, and I want to give you, amen, an encouraging word, and that encouraging word is that you still have 60% left in your tank. Amen. Uh, tech, uh, Genesis 41, 38 through 44, this is the story about Joseph, and uh, we're going to read about how he constantly... Uh, tapped into that 60%. Many of us know the story of Joseph. He was, uh, uh, amen, beaten, sold by his brothers, um, then uh, lied about, thrown into prison. Um, he was forgotten about by a baker and a butler. And we're going to pick up right here after uh, several years of heartaches and uh, how he was just able to continue to push through these uh, events in his life, amen. Uh, not just push through them, but he finished well. He finished very strong. Genesis 41, 38, he interprets a dream, and we're picking up right here that Pharaoh had. And Pharaoh said to his servants, can we find such a, a one as this, a man in whom is the Spirit of God? Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, inasmuch as God has shown you all this, there is no one as discerning and wise as you. You shall be over my house, and all my people shall be ruled according to your word. Only in regard to the throne will I be greater than you. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, See, I have set you over all the land of Egypt. 
Then Pharaoh took his signet ring off his hand, put it on Joseph's hand, and he clothed him in garments of fine linen and put on a gold chain around his neck. And he had him ride in the second chariot which he had. And they cried out before him, bow the knee. So he set him over all the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh also said to Joseph, I am Pharaoh. And without your consent, no man may lift his hand or foot in all the land of Egypt. I'm going to preach a sermon I've entitled the 40% rule. Let's look at first of all the thresholds of pain. Verse 40, you shall be over my house and all my people shall be ruled according to your word. Um, Only in regard to the throne will I be greater than you. I have a question tonight. Why is it that some people can rise to higher levels in life and in ministry and others can't? Is it because they are more skilled? Is it because they come from money? Is it because they are more humble? Is it because they come from better families? But why is it that some people get held back? The truth is that you will grow only to the threshold of your pain. And the more pain that you can handle, the higher you can go and you can grow. Here's the reality. The reality is that growth equals change. And every time we grow, something in our lives is changing. The other truth is that change equals loss. Every time we move forward, we lose something. When you made the decision to get sent out and to leave your mother church, um, you lost comfort. Many of you lost family. You lost your friends. You lost familiarity. There were things that were lost by moving forward. Because loss many times equals pain because we don't like to let things go. See, we each have a pain capacity. And uh, what I want to encourage you tonight uh, or to help you understand is that if you allow God to hide in your capacity, you can also grow more and go further. See, your pain threshold will either elevate you, stagnate you, or drag you down. Someone said, if you want to predict how far a family or business or a ministry will go, all you have to do is look at the pain threshold of the person at the top. The ministry is only going to go as far as your pain threshold. Dr. J. Robert Clinton said, never trust a leader who doesn't walk with a limp. See, this is why Joseph is at the top at the end of his life. Because he had a high tolerance for pain. He was able to constantly forgive. He kept trusting in God. Even when things didn't make sense, he kept moving forward. There's three types of pain that I want to look at that Joseph experienced that we're all, I believe, going to experience in life. And these three types of pains are either going to elevate us, they're going to stagnate us, or they're going to drag us down. The first one is unintentional pain. Now, we know that all of this began in Joseph's life because of unintentional pain. 
Joseph's father Jacob uh, loved uh, Joseph more than his other siblings uh, and because of this uh, it brought unintentional pain to his life. Genesis 37 verse 3, now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children because he was the son of old age. Also he made him a tunic of many colors. But when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him uh, and could not speak peaceably to him. Jacob uh, brought pain upon Joseph unintentionally by showing him favor. Now this was going to be the beginning uh, of many painful experiences uh, in Joseph's life. Because of this one act that his father did, uh, it was going to bring uh, many, many painful experiences in his life. And you know, we always talk about the brothers, but what we fail to realize is that Jacob also brought unintentional pain to the older brothers. The father had no idea. All the pain and suffering he was bringing to his family by loving Joseph more than all his children. This caused something to trigger. The older brothers, they reached that 40% mark. Now, you would think that Joseph's brothers would have acted more maturely since they were older. But in reality, age doesn't necessarily equal maturity. They were older and bigger and should have known better, but we see here that they were actually very sensitive men. Their threshold of pain was maxed at 40%. Sometimes the people that should be the most mature are the most sensitive. I just recently bought a uh, Ford 250 pickup truck. My wife drives a Ford 150. It's smaller. And, uh, but hers has these uh, real loud mufflers. And mine has a very uh, sensitive alarm. Because my other truck got stolen. And so when she's parked next to me, sometimes she'll turn her truck on from the inside uh, and her mufflers will set my big 250 truck off. <laughs> and she makes fun of me. Oh, your truck is so sensitive. I'm like, no, it's not. It's a big, bad truck. <laughs> but you know what? There are people here just like that, man. The slightest things set you off. There are people here that you're upset tonight. You've reached that 40% mark. There's also pain that you bring upon yourself. Genesis 37 verse 5. Now Joseph had a dream and he told it to his brothers and they hated him even more. Now he can't blame anybody for this pain. He brought this completely upon himself. There's no one to blame here. We do the same sometimes. Sometimes we bring pain upon ourselves. Sometimes we do this with our testimonies. We're around people, amen, that are counting on us to be real, to be genuine. And how many Christians, they fail to keep a good testimony around family and friends and coworkers. We do this with finances people that have hurt themselves today because of financial setbacks 
irresponsible choices and decisions. And as a result, you've hurt yourself and your home. What about marriages? How many family members, how many children here will never serve God because of the way their parents live for God? One of the saddest things that I hear in my church, all my parents do is argue. They curse, they fight, they throw stuff. I don't ever want to serve God. See, one of the main reasons people bring so much pain to themselves is because they have no integrity when it comes to these three things that I just talked about, your testimony, your finances, and your marriage. See, here's the thing, that others can take your money, they can take your house, they can take your car, they can take everything you have, but they can't take your integrity. You have to give integrity away. Integrity comes from the Latin word integer, which means to be whole. It literally means uh, that you have integrity when it comes to your talk and your walk. See, in order for a person to have integrity, those two things have to match. And when you forfeit your integrity, when you are no longer contending for integrity, then those areas will take a hit and you can bring pain upon yourself. What about intentional pain? Genesis 37, 18 through 20. Now when they saw him afar off, speaking of his brothers, even before he came near them, they conspired against him to kill him. Then they said to one another, look, this dreamer is coming. Come therefore, let us now kill him and cast him into some pit. And we shall say some wild beast has devoured him and we shall see what will become of his dreams. How many of you know nothing hurts more than a loved one or a close friend intentionally hurting you? I can't even imagine how Joseph felt knowing that his own brothers wanted to kill him and they threw him in a pit. This is one of the most painful things that you'll ever go through. Is when a loved one or a close friend intentionally wants to hurt you. David said in Psalms 55, 12 and 13, For it is not an enemy who reproaches me, then I could bear it. Nor is it one who hates me, who has exalted himself against me, then I could hide from him. But it was you, a man, my equal, my companion, and my acquaintance. See, reproach from an enemy is to be expected. It can be patiently endured, especially when we're doing it for righteousness sake. But the reproaches of one that has been thought to be a friend can be very cutting. It can be very wounding. It can be heartbreaking. And at times it feels intolerable. Your heart begins to sink. It feels heavy. You can begin to feel anxiety and begin to feel overwhelmed. And it's right here where many get spinned out of control and they tap out at 40% because their hearts give out on them. 
They can't handle the pain, so they quit. They reach their threshold of pain um, and their tolerance, and they give up. See, this is why Joseph's example is so powerful, because regardless of how pain entered his life, he always figured out a way to move forward um, and heighten his pain threshold. Charles Kingley said, uh, pain is no evil unless it conquers you. So let's look at secondly, growing pains. The need to dig deeper in our ministries. Verse 39, then Pharaoh said to Joseph, and as much as God has shown you all this, there is one, there is no one as discerning and wise as you. Now keep in mind that Joseph is in prison. He has been betrayed by family, by friends, by Potiphar's wife, by the butler, by the baker. The entire world, it seems, has turned its back on Joseph, yet he figures out a way to go deeper and to hear from God from a prison cell. Here's the thing. He has no idea that by digging deeper that day, his life was about to change. But it was going to depend on him going deeper that day. He could have tapped out. He could have said, I'm done. But he figured out a way to tap into that 60% and he pushed himself beyond his pain threshold. And as a result, his life changed. See, we have no idea what we forfeit when we give in to the assaults of life. You have no idea what you give, into, uh, what you give up when you give in to bitterness and setbacks. Joseph is about to be promoted and step into an area of blessing that he had no idea was going to happen simply because he made a decision to keep his heart right. Three things that will help you get beyond your pain threshold. Number one is the choice to understand. What I mean by that is wherever you are right now, you're going to have to trust God. Genesis 50, 20, but as for you, you meant evil against me, Joseph says, but God meant it for good. Listen, in order to bring about as it is this day, to save many people alive. See, Joseph understood that there was a greater purpose beyond the pain that he was experiencing at that moment in his life. This is where many people, they get confused. They, they want to understand a different way. They, they want to know why, God, why is this happening to me? Or, God, why are you allowing this to happen to me? I serve you, I'm faithful. A university student was seen with a large K printed on his t-shirt. When someone asked him what the K stood for, he said, confused. <laughs> the person replied, you don't spell confused with a K. The student answered, you don't know how confused I am. <laughs> but you see, that's where some of you are right now. Life has spinned you. Listen, you were sure about your calling last week. 
You were sure about being a missionary last year. But something happened. And now what you were sure of, what you knew God wanted from you and you knew you wanted to do, now you're confused. Joseph understood that all he needed to do was trust in God. He had to trust that right would always be made right. He did his best to process life and to keep his heart right. And as a result, God honored him. God honored him. He said, everything I went through was to bring about this day. See, you have no idea what you're going through today. You have no idea. Joseph said, what I went through 10 years ago, even though I didn't understand it, even though it was one of the most painful experiences in my life, now God is showing me that it was all for this day. Now it makes sense. Doesn't make sense when you're in the middle of it. This is why you have to learn to trust. God orchestrated that for that day. See, what is it that God is orchestrating in your life right now through your painful experiences? Number two is you're going to have to learn how to embrace whatever it is that you're going through right now. Joseph said, what you meant for evil, God meant for good. You know what's powerful about that is that he wasn't bitter. He wasn't jaded. He wasn't distant. In other words, he embraced his cross. You have to learn to embrace your cross. I'm amazed at how quick people toss their crosses away today. God, I don't want this. This isn't the cross that I want. This isn't fair. They don't go through anything. Look at I'm constantly going through things. I've known many people whose potential hit a ceiling and stopped when they refused to embrace their cross. Why do people do that? Well, that's easy. Because we don't respond well to pain, do we? We don't want to face pain. We want to run from it. We want to quit. We want to hide. And God says, listen, you're not going to go any further in your ministry, in your life, until you embrace your cross and you pick it up. Jesus even struggled with picking up his cross. Is there any way this cup can pass? But then he embraced it when he said, nevertheless, your will be done. I don't like the cross. I don't want to carry it. But God, I trust you. You know, uh, back in 2008, me and my family, many of you know, we went to Bolivia. And uh, I was actually the one that encouraged Isaiah and, and Peggy. Amen. I took him out for lunch and he didn't know I was setting him up. Amen. But... Uh, <laughs> You know, I, I went over there at the peak of my, of my ministry when I was evangelizing. 
And, and, and it wasn't anything, you know, that I thought, oh, man, I'm giving something up. I was, I was eager to go. But many of you know I ended up getting really sick there. And um, I went over there. I was evangelizing. I went over there weighing 250 pounds when I arrived. I came back weighing 168 pounds. You could literally see my skull through my skin, my ribs. And I remember coming back from that and just being really spinned, you know, in my, in my heart. It, it didn't make any sense to me because I was only there eight months. And I saw amazing things. I remember talking to my pastor saying, I want to go back. And he said, you know, you're not going to go back. And I remember just actually being, you know, bitter about that. I said, God, that, it makes no sense. Why would you send me over there for eight months? Made me go through all that trouble for eight months. Well, today I know why. Can we show that picture? Today, I believe there's 13 churches there in Bolivia now. Amen. <laughs> The church that I pioneered, I, we just turned over to um, one of our couples from McAllen, uh, did an outstanding job there. Amen. Pastor uh, Victor Lopez and Jessica and their son Hugo. And then uh, we turned it over to the very first disciple that I had uh, when I opened that church. But this is a rally. And I was just recently there. And if you see from this end of the altar all the way to the other end of the altar, I believe they counted 32 men that responded to the call to preach the gospel. Amen. It, it didn't make sense back then. But I'm glad I kept my heart right. Romans 8, 28, and we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. Number three is you're going to have to learn how to push through your pain. I know that's something people today don't like to hear. But listen, every time Joseph made a decision to keep pushing through his pain threshold, he realized that there was more inside of him than he even knew. See, and that's what you'll never find out by giving up, by quitting and tapping out. This is what the Navy SEAL David Goggins was teaching or teaches. See, most people give up when they reach their 40% pain thresholds, Goggins said. He teaches that there is more in you than you realize, but you have to push through the pain. There are going to be moments in your ministry as you're pioneering where you're not going to feel like going to church. You're not going to feel like being a pastor. Sis, you're not going to feel like being a pastor's wife. I remember back in 2009, we were pastoring in San Marcos, Texas. It's Christmas. We're having a revival with Jesus. We set up. It's Christmas Eve, and I have to put my 17-year-old uh, son out of our house. Christmas Eve. My wife, of course, is devastated. I'm watching him as he's walking out with his backpack. To this day, uh, has never come back. Amen. We have a good relationship, but he never came back home. I'll never forget my wife in the closet. We're in revival. We have to get to church. It's about 545. My wife is in the closet and she's crying, man. She's praying. She's on her knees. She's broken. I just spoke to her through the, through the door and I said, honey, 
I said, God's going to help us through this. I said, I'm going to go to prayer. I'll see you in church. You know, she showed up. She wiped the tears off her face. She went. She served. And right after service, went back home to that closet and cried all over again. See, sis, there are going to be times in your ministry where you're going to have to push to those moments when you want to give up. Sometimes it feels like God is stretching us beyond anything that we can handle. Now, I'm sure there were times that Joseph felt like this. Jesse Itzler says, the guy that Goggins uh, moved into his house, he wrote the book, uh, he said uh, about living with the Navy SEAL for a month was, he was asked if it changed his life, and if it did, did it have lasting impact? He said, definitely. He said, we all have a reserve tank. And he found out that there was more to him than he ever knew. And he said he never went back to what he used to be after tapping into his reserve tank. Amen. See, that's what God's asking of us tonight. Some of you, you're ready to give up. God is speaking tonight. He's saying, do not give up. There's more inside of you than you even realize. Let's close real quickly with going all the way. Yes, amen. Let's close with going all the way, with finishing strong. Look at verse 43. And he said, and he had him ride in the second chariot, which he had, and they cried out before him, bow the knee. So he set him over all the land of Egypt. Three quick things, amen, that we can learn here from Joseph, that we see that God did with him, amen. The one is that he had a deep relationship, amen, with God. Deeper. You have to remember, when Joseph first started, amen, God had given him a revelation about what he was going to do with him. That's what got him in trouble with his brothers and his family. See, but now he's 30 years old. And he's still hearing from God after everything that he's going through. So let me ask you a question. See, I know we get all fired up when we first get saved. Those of you that have been saved 5, 10, 15, 20, 20 years. Those of you that have been pastoring, amen, 5, 10, 15 years. Does God still give you revelation? Do you still hear from God? Or are you stagnant? Or has life drug you down? Number two, Pharaoh said, not only has God revealed this to you, but you have discernment like nobody else. Discernment means to judge. And not just judge, but to judge when all the pieces aren't in front of you, all the evidence isn't there. And God speaks to you. You have, you have a relationship with God. And uh, you're hearing the story, and, and it sounds real, sounds true. But something in your spirit tells you they're lying. Or you need to make a decision, amen, with somebody that you have overseas or, or a decision with a couple and God speaks to you and gives you discernment about the situation. Do you have discernment right now, pastor? 
Number three, he said, there's no one as wise as you. Wisdom. In other words, as we get older with God, we're supposed to get wiser, not dumber. <laughs> See, we stop growing when we become stagnant, don't we? Not only did he go deeper, but he was promoted. Verse 40, you shall be over my house and all my people shall be ruled according to your word. Only in regard to the throne will I be greater than you. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, see, I have set you over all the land of Egypt. He went from living in a prison cell to the palace. Just like that. See, right now you might be struggling. Right now, amen, you might not have any fruit from your labor. God says, amen, keep your heart right. And it doesn't take me long. From one moment to the other, I can flip your church. I can flip your city. I can flip your nation upside down. Amen. Number three is that even in his old age, he was still fruitful. This is every pastor's dream and desire is to continue to be fruitful, amen, the longer that we are in the ministry. Verse 50, just a few verses down from our chap, uh, text, amen. And to Joseph were born two sons before the years of famine came. It says, uh, Joseph called the name of the firstborn Manasseh, for God has made me forget all my toil and all my father's house. And the name of the second that he called Ephraim, for God has caused me to be fruitful in the land of my affliction. Joseph said, God caused me to forget all my toil. It doesn't mean God erased his memory. It means the pain that he felt back then, he no longer feels. It means he was no longer struggling with that situation. But then he said, he's causing me to be fruitful in spite of my afflictions. That's powerful. That you can be struggling, you can be going through something right now, and yet God can still cause you to be fruitful in your afflictions. And you have a choice tonight. You have a choice, amen, for whatever it is you're going through to either elevate you, to stagnate you, or to completely wipe you out. I close with this story. Lynn Swan, amen, uh, used to play for the Pittsburgh Steelers. When he uh, got uh, inducted into the NFL Hall of Fame in 2001, this is his moment. I mean, oh, every NFL player, this is their moment. This is their dream. They want to get inducted into the NFL Hall of Fame. He gets behind uh, the podium, and he begins to vent. He said, I would have been here a lot quicker if it wasn't for Bradshaw. He stopped throwing me passes towards the end of my career. And therefore, it took longer for me to get here. Here's a guy that made it to the NFL Hall of Fame. But instead of rejoicing, he's bitter still. We have a choice tonight. God's needs to raise the threshold 
He needs to get us, amen, to tap into that 60% if we're truly going to do what Pastor Isaiah said and take all of Utah and the world for Jesus. Amen. Let's bow our heads. Let's bow our heads tonight, amen. Appreciate you. You're here tonight. Maybe you were invited. You're not saved. You don't have a personal relationship with Jesus. You tapped out in life. You gave up. You got bitter. You got angry. Something took place. Tonight, amen, you find yourself empty. You find yourself lost. You need healing. You need a miracle. If that's you tonight, you want me to pray for you. You're ready to surrender your heart to Jesus Christ. You're tired of living life in a merry-go-round. You want to leave this place saved and in your right mind. I want you to do one thing for me. If you're not saved, maybe you're here, you're backslidden. You want my prayer to receive Jesus Christ in your heart as your Lord and Savior. As heads are bowed, I want you to just lift your hand up high enough where I can see it. If you want my prayer to receive Jesus. God sees that hand, amen. God sees that hand. God sees that hand. God sees that hand. God sees that hand. God sees that hand and that hand and that hand. Hallelujah. God sees that hand. You can put those down. How many others tonight? You want to surrender your life. To Jesus Christ, you have not lifted your hand. I want you to lift it right now and say, that's me. Lift it high enough where I can see it. If you have not yet, God bless you. God sees that hand. God's going to do a miracle. Amen. I'm not, I'm not uh, amen, making light of, of your painful experiences. Amen. But God can do so much with you tonight if you surrender your heart. You're not saved. You're backslidden. You have not lifted your hand. This is my last call. If you want me to pray for you to receive Jesus Christ. I want you to lift it if you haven't yet. This is my last call. God bless you, sir. God sees that hand. Um, who else? Amen. Anyone else? God bless you. Who else? Amen. I want you to lift your hand. Glory. Every one of you that lifted your hand. Amen. If you meant that, you want me to pray for you to receive Jesus in your heart, I want you to step out of your seat and I want you to join me right here where I'm standing. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. Come on. You lifted your hand. Maybe you didn't lift your hand, but you want to repent of your sins and invite Jesus in your heart. I want you to come right now. Come on, sis, right here to the left. Brother, right here in the middle. Come on, you lifted your hand. Come on, you're not going to be alone. Over here to my right. Come on, you lifted your hand. I need about seven women to come and help me pray and about six guys. Amen. Hallelujah. Come on. You didn't lift your hand, but you want to pray. Prayer of salvation. Repent of your sins. Go ahead and start praying with them. Go ahead and start praying with them. Amen. Go ahead and start praying with them. Amen. I need one more sister here. Glory. I want to speak to the church, especially our pioneers. Amen. God, Joseph said, everything that he did, he did for this day. You have no idea, amen, what God's about to do with your life. Amen. Let's all stand to our feet, church. The 40% rule. We need to learn how to tap into the 60%. Let's, let's go ahead and uh, open these altars. I want you to come and find somewhere to pray. Hallelujah. Let's fill these altars. Let's pray. Let's believe God. Amen. God's going to help us. Amen. You have no idea what God wants to do through your life, through your ministry, through your family. There's nations. There's, there's cities. There's couples. There's precious people. Amen. That are counting on you keeping your heart right. Amen. Tonight. Hallelujah. As our brother leads us in a song of worship. Oh, You're my strength when I am weak. You're the treasure that I seek. You're my all in all. Oh.
Sing 